Welcome to The Breakdown, where we discuss challenging topics of the day with loyalty to no one or thing, but reason, evidence, and the willingness to consider new ideas with an open mind. I'm James Sayer. Today we discuss the social contract and its importance to virtually every facet of our lives. So, let's get to it. So what is this social contract? Well, it's an idea that's been around a really long time, going back over 2,400 years to the time of Socrates, where he discussed the concept of the obligation that he felt he had to obey the laws of the state, because the state had provided for his security, his way of life, and even his very existence. Now fast forward 2,000 plus years, and it was the Enlightenment philosophers of the 16th, 17th, and 18th centuries, most notably Hugo Grotius, Thomas Hobbes, John Locke, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, Immanuel Kant, and centuries later in the 1970s, John Rawls. Essentially, these philosophers developed and honed the idea of the social contract, where a contract exists between the rulers and the ruled. Essentially, the core concept of the social contract works like this. We the people agree to submit to the laws and to pay taxes levied upon us by the government in exchange for protection and safety. The government essentially agrees to look out for us and to keep us safe in exchange for us following the rules and consenting to them being in power. Now, if a government fails to provide security and safety to its citizens, people no longer have any reason to comply with the dictates of the state. Both the rulers and the ruled have an obligation to each other for their, the arrangement to work. The state must provide adequate safety to its citizens in exchange for their support and obedience. Citizens must obey the laws and customs of the land if they wish for society to function and to be protected by the state. Now, if an individual or group within a society breaks the social contract by violating its laws, they can expect to be punished in some manner for violating the social contract, providing the incentive for citizens to not break the law. So, too, if the state fails to adequately provide for the safety of the people, the state can expect unrest, perhaps removal of those from power, if not outright rebellion. These are incentives for the state to uphold its end of the social contract. Adhering to the social contract keeps the state running and society functioning. Breaking the social contract causes societal upheaval and dysfunction. Specifically for us, the United States, we can see how the social contract works in every day, every way in our lives, in countless ways. You pay taxes and follow the laws, and the government maintains a military to protect us from invaders, police to protect us from criminals. The state regulates essential utilities like water, gas, and electric to ensure citizens can procure the basic necessities in life without being unfairly taken advantage of by a monopolistic utility company. They ensure roads and bridges are safe and functional for the safety and efficient function of our economy. They establish and enforce environmental regulations to protect citizens from pollution and environmental degradation. The state inspects our food to ensure it's safe for us to eat. They create create and enforce workplace safety requirements to protect the safety of workers, and lawmakers write laws that regulate the rules of commerce to help balance the interests of both business owners and workers. Now, the U.S. Constitution and its amendments are the foundation for America's social contract. It established the basic framework of the government, a Congress made up of House of Representatives and a Senate, which passes laws and has the power to lay and collect taxes, a president as the chief executive of the federal government and commander-in-chief of the armed forces, and a judicial system headed by the Supreme Court, along with establishing the Electoral College for electing the U.S. president and impeachment as a means for removing corrupt and incompetent federal officials. The Constitution guarantees U.S. citizens the right to freedom of and from religion, 
free exercise of speech in the press, the right to peaceably protest and petition the government for redress against grievances, the right to keep and bear arms, protection against unreasonable search and seizure, the right to a speedy public trial by an impartial jury, the right to confront your accuser in court, the right to defense counsel, the prohibition of excessive bail or fines, and a ban on cruel and unusual punishment, abolition of slavery, legal due process, equal protection for all citizens under the law. And the Constitution prohibits the denial of the right to vote based on race, color, previous condition of servitude, or sex. So you get the idea. These principles and others are the founding and essential principles of America's social contract. Now, those subordinate to the U.S. Constitution, states have their own constitutions as the foundation for their state's social contracts. City and town charters essentially function as a lesser form of foundation for the social contract for cities and towns. It is the specific laws passed by the federal government and state and local governments as passed by their legislatures and city councils that further define the social contract. And these laws must be consistent, not in conflict with their foundational constitutional social contract documents and principles. Now, sadly, as we know, this has not always been the case. Think Jim Crow oppression and voting disenfranchisement against black Americans in the U.S. South or internment of Japanese Americans during World War II, or the continuing unequal treatment black Americans and minorities face in dealing with the police and the criminal justice system. Now, the social contract is anything but static. It is ever-changing, evolving, under constant revision and renegotiation. We seek to renegotiate or revise the social contract any time we lobby the government for certain changes to laws, when we protest, engage in any political activities, and most importantly, when we vote. Right now, we are going through a very intense period of social contract revision and renegotiation. At certain times in history, when it becomes extremely clear that the rulers have failed to uphold their side of the social contract, for example, when the law fails to provide equal protection to black Americans and minorities from police brutality and offers unequal and unfair treatment of minorities through the criminal justice system, renegotiations can reach a fever pitch where there is intense and sustained protesting and unrest and the public demands that the government and the wealthy who often function as rulers in our society. The public demands they make decisive and meaningful changes to right the injustice. That is where we are. That is where we are now. Most obviously with the recent protests against racist police violence, but also regarding climate change, economic inequality, sexual harassment, maintaining our infrastructure, our changing role in the international system, the struggles with healthcare costs, quality and access, whether whether women will retain the right to have an abortion or if that constitutional right will be overturned, and reforming our underperforming public elementary and secondary educational system. Yes, <laughs> there are a lot of renegotiating. There's a lot of renegotiating for us to do. So my question to all of you is this. How will you help renegotiate our social contract so that our society functions more fairly and that the promises the rulers make to our citizens are indeed kept and provided equally and fairly under the law to all our citizens, regardless of how they look, what race they are, what gender, who they like to sleep with, what religion they follow, what political party they belong to, or or how much money they make? The social contract is a sacred pact between citizens and rulers. 
it must be upheld and maintained for our society to function, and it must constantly be revised and renegotiated for its improvement and ultimately its and our society's very survival. That's all for our episode of The Breakdown today. I hope you enjoyed it and that it's given you something interesting to think about and maybe an idea or two on how you might better uphold your end of the social contract and help you to renegotiate and revise the contract as it so often and so desperately needs. Our next episode is going to be about defunding the police. What does that really mean? And what might that look like? Reform? Extreme reform? Total abolition of the police? <laughs> Lots to discuss there. Should be a good one. Thanks again for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Take care.